to help there. kill Viagra. To take care of things. Virago, yeah. Virago. <laughs> Viagra. Did you say Viagra? <laughs> he certainly slayed that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? My name is Luke. And I'm Emma. We're discussing chapter 28, Treasons and Traitors, today. Getting into it, getting into the thick of things. The beginning here is talking about Prince Regal a little bit. Basically how his birth was, I don't know, how he came to be a single child and Mm -hmm. that his birth was difficult. Yeah. And... Some people thought that, you know, the midwives gave too many herbs to the queen, that she took too many herbs. I don't know. There's a bunch of, like, different rumors about everything. But uh, he was the only child to survive birth for Queen Desire. Besides the secret child. Right. Besides Galen. But that was, uh, what, probably over 10 years before that. You think Galen is ten years older than? Yeah, yeah. He he's a he's much older half brother. Really? Yeah. Galen has been. Uh, he was old. He's older than Chivalry and Verity, and they are about ten years older than Regal. Weird. Okay. He was he was around and a kid when she went to Buckkeep to marry King Shrewd. Right. I didn't know he was older than, like, chivalry. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, Regal's, like, what we assume, like, late 20s, 27, 28 in this book right now? Um, I would, I'm just trying to ballpark it, but I think mid-20s to upper. I don't think he's close to 30 yet, but I would say mid-20s at least. Because I think she, I think Verity is like mid thirties, right? Lower, I thought Verity was like thirty two ish. Yeah, I would say lower to mid thirties, something like that. So that's not like ten years older than Regal. No, but Chivalry is two years older than Verity. Right. I guess I don't know. Weird. I wish there was a better distinction of what age everybody was. Yeah, I know. I know Galen is. I th- I'm pretty sure Galen is older than ten years. Is ten years older than Regal at least. Hmm. Weird. Don't like it. (laughs) That's not how I have it pictured in my mind. So we get into the chapter with Fitz not being able to sleep when he's not thinking about the king's plight and the plan that's coming up that he and Chade have planned out. Molly pops into his head, obviously. He's a young kid, just heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And so eventually in the middle of the night, he gets up and goes down to the stables to talk to Birik to explain his part of the plan. Yes. And while he's there, he sits in the dark by Burek's bedside. He doesn't want Burek to get up and make a fire because that might alert anyone watching that something weird is going on. Yeah, something different than his normal routine. He does not want Burek to be thwarted or stopped from what he has to do. And so Fitz lays out the plan and 
Eric is obviously kind of down about it because he learns pretty much what Fitz has been going through his whole life. Yeah. Probably not all the details, but enough to know that, oh, you have another person teaching you to do stuff Mm -hmm. who is secret. (laughs) And he already had hints already that he was kind of a killer. So Beric is not dumb. He can put two and two together there. And he says for all for us to accomplish all that he is asking in two days time means that every task must be done perfectly the first time. I have come to you first. Can you do it? And Beric is kind of silent for a little bit and lists off the supplies. Three sturdy horses, a mule, a litter, and supplies for three, all without anyone noticing. Fitz goes into a little bit more details and says, you can't, obviously, and you know it, we can't walk out of the gates. You'll have to load up in this area. They'll be there, and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can just walk on through. Right, and you should follow the wolf mm-hmm. to the path that is safe, which Burek has a problem with. He wants to know does everybody need to know that you're witted and Fitz replies with well I have to use every tool at my at my availability yeah which reminds me and goes back to the song that the fool sang to Fitz in the middle of the hall use whatever's you know Mm -hmm. at your skill or whatever yeah with all of your will use everything so I thought that was a little cool parallel there Beer comes back. How long can you share minds with one who scratches and licks himself, who will roll in carrion, who goes mad when the female is in season, who thinks no further than his next meal before you accept his values as your own? Then what will you be? A guardsman, I hazarded. Despite himself, Beer gave a snort of laughter. I was serious, he said after a moment. And so am I, about the king and queen. We must put our minds to how we will accomplish this. I no longer care what I sacrifice to accomplish it. And Beric drops it. And this is a good point that Beric brings up, that sharing a mind with someone for that long is going to affect you. You are going to start sharing some of their values or thinking in a similar manner to how they do. And that is true. That is what happens. Yeah, He does think more animalistically and we've already seen it he thinks only about the now and doesn't really think about future very much he definitely learns that more and more as the books go on that's true Mm -hmm. as they talk to each other more and and get to know each other's philosophies right and it is a valid concern for Bjork to have one i'm sure he probably struggled with himself so Beric says, basically, I can swing some farriers, I can get some people involved, we can gather those together, it will be hard, but we can do it. And Fitz says, you don't need to supply any winter clothing, only for yourself. Ketrikin can wear and carry what she'll need, and Chade can see to the king's needs. Chade, the name is almost familiar, as if I heard it before, long ago. He is supposed to have died long ago. Before that, he was seen about the keep. To live all these years as a shadow, he marveled. And he plans to go on living as a shadow. You need not fear I'll betray him, Beric sounded hurt. I know, I'm just so... I know. Go on, then. You've told me enough for me to do my part. I'll be there with the horses and supplies. And so Beric's going to wait in that area that they told him pretty much all night and just have the supplies ready. Right. 
one also, part down. <laughs> also, I think that this is a foreshadowing of what's to come of Fitz. He used to be about to keep a long time ago, and then everyone thought he was dead, and now he lives as a shadow. Oh, yeah. yeah I can see that. Yeah. And he plans to go on living as a shadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so very Fitz-like. But also, there's fear in here from Burek because he doesn't hire dumb people, and whoever he gets to help will know immediately. Once the king is gone, that but, oh, these extra supplies aren't. Yeah, you know these where they went, and so that's danger. But and he doesn't really he doesn't want his people to be put in danger more so than need be. So he's worried about that, but he still goes through with it. He still is willing. He says, I will, as soon as the festival starts, I will go and wait. He says, he is my king. She is my queen. I need no thanks from you to do my duty. And he knows that's, I mean, that's what Birk is about. He does his duty. Mm-hmm. And he is, he's willing to do this. And it is very brave of him, I think. Because unlike Fitz and Chade, he doesn't really have any protection. Burek is just a guy. He's just yeah. a stable master. He doesn't have any power or strings to pull. I mean, he has a respectable position. People fear him. He is formidable as a warrior, but he's also uh, crippled. Yes. Like he has a limp in his leg. And, and he's just a regular person. Mm-hmm. He's not royalty. He's not anyone special so to speak and so it's just really interesting that i think something that i always forget is just how brave he is because there isn't his status to fall back on there's nothing keeping him alive if he messes up and next we get a touching scene where fitz relays the next part of his plan to night eyes Night Eyes is wondering why he's got called back because Fitz goes to that empty shack again where they meet up inside Buckkeep. And Fitz lays out his part. Basically, you're you're going to lead these people over to, you know, heart of the pack and we'll be good to go out the, the secret way that you come in and go. Mm-hmm. And Night Eyes says, of course, but why summon me here for this? You need not be this close to me to ask such a simple favor. I crouched down in the snow, and he came to me, to rest his throat on my shoulder. I hugged him hard. Foolishness, he told me gruffly. Go on now, I will be here in case you need me. My thanks, my brother. I thought that was another little touching scene, and it once again demonstrates the amazing part of Old Blood, mm-hmm. of the of the unspoken need of emotions between different people mm-hmm. or beings. Night Eyes knew that he needed to, he needed some company there. Yeah. He just went over and Fitz hugged him and Fitz is scared that he's going to get caught and killed. And mm-hmm. that could be goodbye right there. I think it also reminds us that Fitz is a kid. Yeah. He's scared yeah. and he wants to hug somebody and He's at that age where it feels too old to hug your dad when you're scared, so you can't really tell Burek. And Burek is being super brave, so that would also make you feel like, oh, I can't tell him I'm scared. And you can't tell Chade because 
this is Chade's life. <laughs> and there's just really no one for him to confide in. And so I think it really shows a little bit of age and just the caring nature of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so to finish out the night, he goes back to his room and waits for morning. And by mid-morning, he was summoned to Queen Ketrickin's room where he brought a long list of herbs and started reciting those herbs with their various uses to bore everyone around Ketrickin. And he succeeds in doing so, except for three attendants who Ketrickin sends off for tea or something like that. And he makes note, little Rosemary had long since dozed off in a warm corner by the hearth. So she is asleep and cannot hear what they're saying. Well, is she asleep or is she pretending to be asleep? I think she's asleep because Regal doesn't know where king and queen have gone. Right. But the message that he gives Ketrickin is very cryptic and doesn't have really any details in it. Well, he says, you will be leaving tomorrow night after the king in waiting ceremony. Dress warmly and take winter things. Not many. So I, I think, like, even if she had heard those and told those to Regal, he would know to look in the cold areas. You know, so... Well, it is winter, though. Yeah. There's snow outside. <laughs> I don't think she heard. That's what I'm okay. saying. I think she is asleep, and I think that was an important detail that Robin Hobb snuck in there. Mm. That Regal did not know this was happening, because if he knew that she was going to be leaving, he would not leave the king alone. He would not let people be drawn away. He would not leave Ketrickin alone in her room. Fair enough, yeah. All that sort of thing. And so he tells her those things, dress warmly, take winter things, but not many, because, you know, you're going... Go early to your bedchamber alone and plead that the ceremony in your grief has exhausted you. Bar your door, be ready to leave, ready yourself, and then stay in your room. Somebody's going to come for you. Trust the pocked man. The king is going with you. Trust me. And then people come back and he can no longer answer questions or speak to her. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of reflecting on that. Trust. I did not trust that any of it would come to pass. Shortly after, the attendants came back and tea arrived, and basically they said little else. It was mm-hmm. just small talk, and Fitz eventually excused himself. Right, and Ketrickin says she's very tired and needs to go to bed. So she's already laying the groundwork of mm-hmm. an exhausted person who's been going to bed early. So mm-hmm. it's not weird when she does it tomorrow. Which is so smart of her because he didn't tell her to do that. Right. But it is very smart to say, oh, I'm very tired today, too. So he he's thinking about the plan further. He told Birik what's going on, and Birik's going to gather the supplies in the way of escape. Night Eyes is going to lead Ketrickin, Chade, and the king, or at least the king and Ketrickin, to Birik, where they can leave. And Chade has taken care of the fool or told the fool what's going on. So all that Fitz has to do is make sure the king is alone and has a few moments alone without any guards. And so he's trying to go past the king's room and scout things out. And he sees that they put curtains up over the doors, but they haven't even sent in people to repair the door at all, which is further... You know, information that Regal doesn't plan on returning to Buckkeep ever. Right. They don't even put any ounce of effort into making it look like they're fixing things from the broken down door from the axes. Right. And he 
tries to figure out what the best course of action would be to even get the guards out. He yeah. notes that he's not very good at fighting hand to hand. And so that wouldn't be a very good idea for him to lure them out that way. He does wonder if this distraction will cost him his life, but he quickly pushes that aside because he doesn't want to think about it. And so goes on to thinking more details. What could I possibly do? And he's having a really hard time. And he can't really think of anything at the moment. And so he left, leaves his room and goes pacing through Buckkeep, hoping for inspiration. Instead, I only found confusion. Noble folk of every degree were arriving for Regal's ceremony, and the influx of guests and their households and servants swept and eddied about the outflow of goods and the folk that Regal was sending inland. My feet carried me unplanned to Verity's study. The door was ajar, and I went in. And he describes Verity's study here. We haven't seen it for a little bit. The hearth is cold. The room has been unused. And so there's a distinct odor of mouse in the air. There's just nothing that has been done, probably since it has been tossed by Regal's men originally. Right. I walked about the room, touching his things. I suddenly missed him acutely. His unyielding steadiness his calmness, his strength. He would never have let things come to such a situation. I sat down in his work chair at his map table. Scuffs and scribbles of ink, where he had tried colors on it, marred the tabletop. Here were two badly cut quills, discarded with a brush worn hairless. In a box on the table were several little pots of color, cracked and dried now. They smelled like verity to me, in the same way that leather and harness oil always smelled like Beric. I leaned forward on the table and put my head in my hands. Verity, we need you now. I cannot come. I leaped to my feet, my legs tangling into the chairs, and fell on the rug. Frantically, I scrabbled to my feet, and even more frantically scrabbled after the contact. Verity! I hear you. What is it, boy? A pause. You've reached me on your own, have you? Well done. We need you to come home right now. Before I move on with the rest of the scene, I do want to point out that with those two things together, how he equates smells to Beric and Verity, mm-hmm. I thought that was very dog-like. Yes, I thought it was it interesting. Is. Just like, oh, this these certain smells are this person, and these certain smells are this person. Yeah. <laughs> It's not yeah. so obvious, but I thought it just kind of reminded me of a dog. Very, yeah, very dog-like. Um, I also think that it's very naive of him to think that anything would be different at all if Verity were still there. Because we know Verity isn't doing anything to stop Regal really either. Shrewd, for sure, is not doing anything. But Verity isn't doing much more than Shrewd was doing. And the things he were doing was just giving Regal more power inadvertently. So I don't think, I think the only difference would be that there would be more of a chance that Verity would actually be dead if he had stayed. Yeah, I think there would be less overt takeover. There wouldn't be, I don't think there would be the attempt on Ketrakin's life. 
or her her baby's life initially the feast would have been much different mm. uh after the victory at neat bay true things things like that would be suddenly changed but i, I don't think it would be much different right well yeah i just think knowing how verity handles regal there couldn't be much more done I think Regal would have still found a way to finesse his way in words. Because that's, I mean, that's Regal's wheelhouse. That's yep. not Verity's real house. And Verity is, has his hands tied. He can't go up and beat his brother. Right. And <laughs> and he wasn't, Regal was in charge of finances. And so Regal could have sent everything upstream and said, hey, we have to finance your boat somehow. Right. And gotten away with it that way. And then said, I think it would just be better if... This was a stronghold, a stronghold for you and everybody else leaves. And then he would kill Ketrickin and the king inland. Or maybe Verity would be dead, like I said. Like, I just don't think much would have changed. But I think it is someone who looks up to someone that they find a hero thinking, oh, everything would be better yeah, definitely. with my hero here. Definitely. Without thinking about the realities. <laughs> He transfers all the knowledge of what's been happening over to Verity, and Fitz says, I felt him grow sad with the information, and wearier. Fitz asks him to come home, and Verity says, I cannot. Be calm now. Think this through. I could not come home in time to prevent any of this. It grieves me, but I am too close now to give up my goal. And if I am to be a father, his thoughts were warm with this new feeling, it becomes even more important that I succeed. My goal must be to retain the six duchies intact and with a coast freed of sea wolves. This for the child to inherit. What am I to do? Just as you have planned, my father, my wife, and my child. It is a weighty burden I've put upon you. He sounded suddenly uncertain. I will do what I can do, I told him, fearing to promise any more than that. I have faith in you. He paused. Did you feel that? What? Another is here, trying to break in, to listen on our skilling. One of Galen's spying brood of vipers. I did not think that was possible. Galen found a way and schooled his poisonous offspring in it. Skill no more to me now. And Verity breaks off contact, but also sends out kind of an area repulsion similar to what happened before when he pushed Fitz back into his mind but mm -hmm. bigger on a scale and just shoved that skill back in every direction and right. Fitz abruptly finds him gone and is proud that he he skilled alone and immediately wants to try to contact Verity again mm -hmm. partially I want to say because he is so proud of himself and he's like I did it once I can do it again this is great but partially right. maybe because he likes the feeling of skilling right. and wants to do it again. There, there's that, that addiction to it. Mm -hmm. And so he springs up and, and he starts to get out of the room and he sees Justin sprawled out there, legs outstretched with his back against the wall. He looked drunk. I knew better. He was half stunned by the push Verity had given him. Fitz contemplates killing him here. Yes. He's like, I probably should. It'd be much easier. I have the poisons on me that I intended for Wallace anyways. I could do it right now. But also, I don't want to leave any bodies. It's messy. It would create a stir right before we pull off this plan. And it would be very 
irresponsible. Yes. He thinks about how Verity specifically did not say go after whoever's listening. He just left. So Verity did not give him command. And Shrewd had just been talking about how he can't go making his own decisions. Yeah. So he decides against it, which is so frustrating because it's like, come on, you never listen to Shrewd or Jade. Like, <laughs> come on, just just kill him. <laughs> Justin oh. has a conversation with Fitz then. Mm-hmm. Says, I know what you're doing. Fitz asks, what are you talking about? And he says in his thoughts, I hoped he'd make me kill him. Frightening to know suddenly how badly I wanted to. He blanched but did not back down. He reminded me of a braggart child. You walk like you were the king himself. You sneer down at me and you make mock of me behind my back. Don't think I don't know it. But you are not so great. You skill once and think you are a master. But your skilling stinks of your dog magic. Do not think you will walk so proud always. You will be brought down, and soon... A wolf clamored in me for instant vengeance. I leashed my temper. Do you dare to spy upon my skilling to Prince Verity, Justin? I did not think you had the courage. You know I did, bastard. I do not fear you so much I must hide from you. I dare much, bastard, much more than you would suppose. Hinting at his skill-draining of the king. Yes. His stance showed him going, growing braver by the minute. Not if I suppose treachery and treason, though. Has not King-in-Waiting Verity been declared dead, O oh, loyally sworn coterie member? Yet you spy upon me skilling to him, and you express no surprise? And that does surprise Justin. He stands still for a little bit, and then kind of steals himself. He's like, well, it doesn't matter. Say what you like. No one will believe you if we deny it. And Serene butts in. Finally getting there and said, have the sense to be quiet, Justin. You are a child. Yes. Well, this whole exchange is very interesting because Justin is so venomous towards Fitz. And it... He's scared still, I'm sure. He is, but it's very strange to me because there's no reason to dislike Fitz besides the fact that Galen hated him, I suppose. But there's... why not? I, I don't know. I, I don't understand their intense dislike of him. Well, Galen, I'm sure, beat it into them. And and remember, even Fitz was thinking like, oh, I have to be by myself. Like, all these people aren't good. Like, I have to beat them all out. I have to be better at the skill than all of them. I have to be better right. than Galen. And they were in that longer than Fitz was in that because Fitz got it beaten out of him. And then also they've been under Regal this whole time and been poisoned against him. And on top of that, I'm sure Justin is extremely angry at Fitz as well because of that confrontation. Because he got embarrassed, because he got attacked, he's afraid and he doesn't want to be afraid because Fitz is supposed to be so far beneath all of them. And so he's angry. I guess, yeah, if you're confronted with something with the truth and it's different from the lie you've been told, some people get mad instead of realizing the truth and it's not even not even the confronting a lie even uh, that too that's a great point but just the fact that you get embarrassed by someone you're told is absolute bottom tier garbage Mm -hmm. and isn't shouldn't be royal doesn't have any strong magic and he almost like kills you and you're scared of him Uh you probably feel ashamed and then that would make you angry since they're so 
ill-adjusted. True. And like, if Fitz is the bottom tier, what does that make you if you almost died? Right. Like, I'm I'm sure he's incredibly angry and wants to show... That he's the more powerful. Right. It's just sad, I guess, because... Very sad, yeah. I don't... But also, I don't understand their dislike of Verity either. I Again, it goes back to they were trained by Galen, and there's a lot of, like, m- messing with the minds of these poor children. But I still don't see how, in practice, you see all the horrible things happening, because they have first-row seats to the terrible, terrible things Regal is doing, specifically letting the people of the six duchies die simply to make his brother look bad. And then think, yeah, you're right. This guy for sure deserves to be king way more than the other guy. It's a cult. I mean, we've said it before. Right. People in cult don't like cults don't see that their leader is doing anything wrong. I it's guess they're just highlighting they're, the incompetence of Verity. Yeah, it's not that they're programmed into it. True. And that's all that they can see. There's intense therapy and there's people like you have to get deprogrammed if you want to exit a cult. Basically, you have to have a professional help walk you through what is going on in your brain yeah and these people have been from kids been you know (laughs) true stripped down and then built back up as superior to everybody else and then they've spent years with galen and regal now yeah a few months with galen and then years with regal poisoning them against everything it's just so hard to read i guess especially because we know they know the extent of Re- this isn't all the other people in the kingdom who are like, oh, Regal's so great because they're just buying into the propaganda. These are the people hand in the pot, stirring it. Right. And then being like, no, Regal's amazing. So it's just even worse <laughs> and more frustrating to read. I don't know. I just feel so bad for them in a way. But also, they're not good people. So <laughs> they did make a choice to. Right. None of them feel weird about going through with pretending their rightful heir is dead, I guess. The sad part is they were good people. Yeah, yeah. But Serene comes in and tells Justin to be silent and escorts him out to leave Fitz there alone. And he decides to go to the, uh, the kitchens where he normally goes. They were a bustle, and Cook had no time for me other than to ask if I had heard that a serpent had been found lying before the fire on the main hearth. That's a little important detail for later, because it gets brought up again. I said doubtless it had crawled into the firewood to shelter for the winter and come in with a log. The warmth would have brought it to life. She just shook her head and said that she had never heard of the like, but that it boded evil. She told me again of the pocked man by the well, but in her story, he had been drinking from the bucket, and when he lowered it from his spotted face, the water that ran down his chin was red as blood. So again, another rumor circling about this mm-hmm. one, even more towards evil. And mysticism. and Yep. More some, omens and yeah. a snake there. I'm sure that got placed somehow uh-huh. by someone. Which is one of the th- uh, things from the poem last week about a snake on the hearth being a horrible sign of death to come. Yeah. Let me see if I can uh, bring that up right away here. Don't suffer a snake upon your hearthstone, or plague will whittle your children to bone. Yeah. So Jade is really going all out for this. 
Oh, yeah. Jade <laughs> Unleashed. He's going for it. I bet it's so fun for him. If It would be so fun if it wasn't, you know, life or death life of or his de- kingdom, kingdom. Right. But, like, he probably never gets to do fun pranks like this, <laughs> which are harmless in general. It does make everybody feel like something bad is going to happen and puts everybody on edge. But ultimately, these are pretty harmless to everyone but Regal. <laughs> right. And as he is leaving the kitchen, he encounters a page who he marks as probably being Burnstock. And he found the yellow flower that was the burn sigil sewn into the patched jerkin. My master, Duke Brondi of Burns, desires that you wait upon him as soon as you handily may. He spoke the words carefully. I doubted he had been a page long. And he goes up to Duke Burns. Right. And there is a little exchange here where Fitz had just taken two sweet cakes out of the kitchen and was excited to eat them. And in seeing this boy who is so thin, he gives them to the boy and says, will you hold on to these for me? And the boy asks, do you want me to put them in your room for you for later? Shall I save them for you, sir? He asks seriously. And it smote me to see a boy put such a high value on food. And then he tells the boy to eat them and then sends him to cook to compliment her work, knowing that since he's so thin and scrawny and obviously very hungry, Cook will definitely give him at least a bowl of stew, even with the busyness. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to put in here. This is just so casually being nice. This is not Fitz doing anything to manipulate anyone. This is just kind of who Fitz is, I think. Those were for him. They Those sweet cakes were going to be for him. There's no reason he couldn't have carried them with himself and not thought anything of this poor little boy. And instead, he finds a very easy way to give them to him and then send him for more food. Mm-hmm. And he has no problem. And he doesn't think anything of it. There isn't any calculation in this. There is no what a little bit of do. calculation of f- cook will give him food. if he- <laughs> Right. But nothing like what will this do for me long term? Right. Yeah. And I just thought it was really because he's a nice guy. And, yeah. and Chade sent him around the castle when he was younger. Right. Getting to know people, people of the castle yeah. and common and I, folk. And-, and I think it's just really nice to see one instance of Fitz where he's not making dumb choices and he's not being obtuse. He's just a nice person doing something nice for somebody less fortunate for him for no reason. I wonder an in character, I guess, explanation of why he is so, what we read about Fitz is so obtuse. And so like all these bad decisions and things Mm -hmm. is because technically he's writing it after all these events, after he has put, his feelings or like his hurt into the stone dragon, the stone dragon. And so he's kind of partially forged there. And then he's also somewhat addicted to the skill at this. Well, somewhat he is addicted to the skill at this point, sitting Mm -hmm. on his cliffs, looking out and skilling and saddened. And he's depressed and he's taking elf bark tea pretty much every day and being depressed from that. And he writes during those times. So I guess like an in-book explanation for this is all of these decisions that we're reading about is him being incredibly depressed and morose and mopey because of effects of drugs, of depression, of skill addiction. 
all of that just kind of culminating in like, well, I'm terrible at everything. I'll write it down. That's a good point that we're seeing this through Fitz's eyes and he is most harsh on himself when he does something poorly. Often we get Chade, Ketrickin, all those people being like, you are loved Fitz. Like, yeah. You have done good things. Like we're mm-hmm. <laughs> we're here for you, but we don't see any of that. Yeah, I guess Fitz's this, eyes. this does focus. This series in general focuses on a lot of Fitz's shortcomings, and we don't really get to see his victories in yeah. detail very much. He usually skips over that, so I could see. Well, that's not as important as all these horrible mistakes I made. Even in the upcoming scene, where this scene is, where Duke Brandy offers him. You know, hey, we'll follow you if you want to unite the kingdoms kind of thing. He has that sense of, oh, I could do this. I could, you know, Mm -hmm. I could be the person that everyone wants me to be. But it's always kind of shadowed in there like, am I a traitor? And I think like even writing this down, Fitz is like, I still don't know if I made the right choice, even if it didn't come to pass. Right. Is that a treasonous answer? Did I do something terrible kind of thing? So it's all kind of, I don't know, it's. It's an interesting point of view that we're reading it from. I agree. So Fitz goes to Duke Brandy. He notes that the coastal dukes have been put in the lesser rooms. Um, The reason that they are lesser is because they face the mountains instead of the ocean. But in every other way, they are the exact same as the amazing rooms. So Fitz finds it funny that they're even called the lesser rooms. Just because I'm sure it's not a horrible view. It's a very big room, (laughs) but the room is very sparse. There are three chairs and what a coffee table, (laughs) not a coffee table, but like a little small table by the hearth. No tapestries or hangings. Fitz remarks that it was as cheery as a dungeon, save that a warm fire on the hearth brightened it. So it's it's very empty. There's no food. There's no bottles of wine. There's nothing there to make it, you know, hospitable. <laughs> right. And he remarks that there should be. There should be food and wine, especially for guests as important as dukes of the no, duchies the, yeah, the actual that are dukes. coming <laughs> to secure Regal's place on the as king in waiting. Which you would think he would be at least bare minimum to them. Because they have to approve him. If they don't approve, he's not king in waiting. I guess he doesn't care about their opinion because he's probably thinking he's going to break away from them anyway. But still, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. And Fitz remarks that Faith hovered in the background like a hunting hawk. I could not help but wonder where Celerity was. Again, there's the hawk imagery associated Mm -hmm. with the daughters of Brondi. Who we know are witted. Yes. He exchanged a few minor pleasantries, and then Brondi plunged into his topic like a draft horse into a snowdrift. That's a very wonderful way of putting that he had no tact at all. Yes. <laughs> which is which fits his character, and I just <laughs> thought it was a... Yeah. Um, and Brondi starts with talking about how King Shrewd seems ill. The queen also seems ill. She's not taking anybody, any visitors. We went to go see her because... We love her. (laughs) She's great. And he says, I have heard a rumor that she was with child and that now in her grief and her foolishness at riding to Ripon's defense, she has lost it. Is this so? And so these rumors are are popping up 
and I'm sure circulated by Regal right. and his cronies, that basically what they were saying at the feast when they got back mm-hmm. is true, that she lost the child because she foolishly, as a woman and pregnant, went to the defense of some castle in a different place. And right. Who cares? She shouldn't have done that. Exactly. So Fitz sets it right. He tells him that the king is very ill and you're probably not going to see him until a ceremony. He just isn't doing very well. And the queen is indisposed. But if she had been told that you were at her door, she would have seen you guys. She likes you. (laughs) All is well in that relationship. And there was a scare that she had lost the baby because she had fallen and that happened here in Buckkeep. That is nothing to do with the battle. Yeah, and it was just threatened. It's not lost. Yes, the baby is still alive. He says, I see, and he just sits silently for a little bit. And at last he leaned forward and motioned me to do the same. When our heads were close together, he asked quietly, Fitz Chivalry, have you any ambitions? This was the moment. King Shrewd had predicted it years ago, and Shade more recently. When I made no immediate answer, Brondy went on as if each word were a stone he shaped before handing it to me. The heir to the Farseer throne is a babe as yet unborn. Once Regal has declared himself king-in-waiting, do you think he will wait long to claim the throne? We do not. For although these words come from my lips... I speak for Ribbon and Shoke's duchies as well. Shrewd has become old and feeble, a king in name only. We have had a taste of what kind of king Regal would be. What should we suffer while Regal holds title until Verdi's child comes of age? Not that I expect the child will manage to be born, let alone mount the throne. He paused, cleared his throat, and looked at me earnestly. Face stood by the door as if guarding our talk. I kept my silence. You're a man we know, a son of a man we knew. You bear his looks and almost his name. You've as much a right to call yourself royal as many who have worn the crown. He paused again, waiting. Again, I kept silent. It was not, I told myself, a temptation. I would simply hear him out, that was all. He had said nothing as yet that suggested I would betray my king. He floundered for words, then looked up and met my eyes. Times are difficult. They are, I agreed quietly. So he waits, and Fitz looks at him a bit. See how worn he is, the scars on his hands? Mm-hmm. And eventually in that silence, he says it. If you saw fit to oppose Regal... To declare yourself king-in-waiting in his stead, Burns and Ripon and Shokes would support you. It is my belief that Queen Ketcherkin would support you as well, and that Buck would follow her. He looked up at me again. We have talked much of this. We believe Verity's child would stand a better chance of gaining the throne with you as regent than with Regal. So, I find this very interesting this whole exchange mostly because shrewd and shade had predicted it 
So it feels almost like a prophecy being fulfilled. But I wonder if this would have come to pass if they had taken care of Regal earlier. I don't think think Fitz ever would have been approached to potentially take the throne over. There wouldn't have been a need because Regal would not have been a horrible, horrible person that he is to the out island or to the coastal duchies. Right. And... So it almost feels in that way a self-fulfilling prophecy that Shrewd has made because it is directly from Shrewd's inaction that this situation comes to be. A little bit of Chade's inaction as well because Chade has a sense of loyalty in not doing anything against Shrewd's wishes. And a sense of duty because he is a tool of the crown and he swore himself to be. So right. he, he sticks rigidly to his code because otherwise, where does he stop? Right. But I just, I feel, I can't help but think this was done directly because of the choices that they have made together. <laughs> and I feel bad for Fitz in this moment because it is a big ask. And I think he handles it as best he can. And it's not as though he... Chade kind of says so, too, that he does later. And, I mean, he has to be a little bit tempted, right? I mean, that... (laughs) I'm definitely not tempted. It was not, I told myself, a temptation. I would simply hear him out. That was all. (laughs) He said nothing yet to suggest I would betray my king. Like, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Right. No. I'm still listening. (laughs) I don't know. And that would be hard because Fitz has had a really hard life. And if he was king, he'd at least be better than Regal. (laughs) So and then people couldn't be mean to him anymore. It would be a very shiny red apple to be dangling in front of him. Fitz asks why they wouldn't follow Ketrickin after all that. And Brondi thinks and says it's a hard thing to say after she's been so true and, and so done so well by us but she is a queen but she's foreign born and in some ways she's untried in that sort of ruling because she's not from here right which and is rich because Fitz is 100% untried right but <laughs> in in the terms of I don't know in the terms of the outer duchies I guess he's more respected because he's a warrior and spent all summer fighting and they're kind of I don't know. It's, guess, but, but he does say, he finishes it up and says, in these times we need both king-in-waiting and a queen. Ketrickin would still be queen-in-waiting. Fitz at that time would be sworn in as, quote-unquote, a king-in-waiting, but a mm-hmm. regent to the throne. So they would have right. both rulers that way. If they just follow Ketrickin, they're just following Ketrickin. Right. Yeah, that is a good distinction. It just is funny to be like, well... It's not just because she's a foreigner. It's also because she's untried. But 17-year-old boy who has literally, as far as we know, never had a single ounce of power. Would you like to be king? Like, I don't know. It just makes me mad. (laughs) I think it's personal experience with Fitz as opposed to Ketrickin as well. Fair. Yes, they experienced Ketrickin talking to them and giving them gifts at Bucky. But Fitz has gone to each of their castles, right? And Has he? he? he spent specific time in with Brondi with Brondi. Yes. A to week help there. Kill 
to Viagra? take care of things. Virago, yeah. Virago. <laughs> Viagra. Did you say Viagra? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he certainly slayed that. <laughs> and he equated himself well and, like, you know, put forward a good image of himself and was able to navigate those things. Remember that whole thing that Bronny specifically put Fitz across from Virago mm-hmm. to like test them and see how they would react and Fitz obviously passed those tests. True. He's he's well he's more well known and a part of the actual royal family which I think carries a lot of weight. Right. The but Farseers have that mysticism about them still. I suppose. And I think I forget that a lot that the Farseers are looked on as like these guys have the royal magic. Like this is the line. Yeah. And even though we're reminded of that through the fool sometimes, it's still not like something that I remember that all the common folk have. Right. They well, still have that like, wow, this is like the royal family. Right. With the magic bloodline. Well, that's partially probably because we're seeing this from Fitz's point of view. Right. And he yeah. doesn't have any mysticism. And they're just normal. They're just family members. Yeah. <laughs> no, and not then, really normal. I yeah. Guess. <laughs> no, none of them are normal. <laughs> it's a normal um, family. <laughs> but then also... Like, maybe because we're Americans and don't have royalty. I mean, I guess we have the president and, like, people are interested in, like, presidential family stuff. But yeah, I don't... I'd honestly not say, at the same like, level as, like... The Kardashians oh. are closer to, like, American royalty <laughs> because it's multiple family members and it's longer than just four years. And they everybody like, wants to know how they do it. <laughs> yeah, like, what's going on? Like There has to be some sort of magic involved in keeping them I think relevant. I think that would be... A closer analogy than Fair the president, enough. to be honest. Just right. because larger than life personality. Yeah. So I don't That's know. Fair. It's uh it's not a, an analogy I like to make, but it's <laughs> probably the closest. You know what? Regal would appreciate the comparison mm, probably. to the Kardashians. Probably. You would love to be on that show. Oh yeah. Fit right in. <laughs> he wouldn't be on that show. He'd have his own show. Are you That's kidding true. me? I would love to see Regal in like the Real Housewives. <laughs> Real Housewives of Buckkeep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) so Fitz has a question come up after saying we both need a king and a queen. It's like, if the child comes of age and I do not wish to relinquish power, what then? And he just kind of thinks of that. He says a demon wanted me to ask this. Mm -hmm. So he has that thought of like, what if I don't want to give it up? Yeah. What if I it's too strong of power? Also, he knows that if he did ask that, the Dukes would have a response because they would have had to thought of that as well. Right. And so he says, almost I could feel the eddies of possibility swirling about me. Was this what the fool was always prattling about? Was this one of his misty crossroads where I always stood in the center? Catalyst, I taunted myself quietly. Beg pardon? Brondy leaned closer to me. Chivalry, I said. As you have said, I bear his name, almost. Duke Burns, you are a man hard-pressed. I know what you have risked in speaking to me, and I will be as blunt with you. I am a man with ambitions, but I do not desire the crown of my king. I took a breath and looked into the fire. For the first time, I really considered what it would do to Burns, Ripon, and Shokes for both Shrewd and Ketcherkin suddenly to disappear. The coastal duchies would become like a rudderless ship with decks awash. 
they'd be cut off. There would mm-hmm. be no one there. Their leadership would be gone. The people that they look up to would be gone overnight. Yep. And then they would have to make a hard decision of, do we follow Regal? Or is Regal the one who made them disappear overnight? Right, exactly. What's going on? They obviously have not bought into the propaganda that Regal is amazing because they, they have know. been living yeah. the realities of Regal's rule. And also Fitz can't warn the Dukes mm-hmm. because the more people that know, the more chance that secret's going to get out. And Right. And the way they react whenever they disappear. Yeah. And if he knows that they are going to disappear and that Queen Ketrakin won't stand for Regal and the king's yeah. going to get out, they can't approve Regal then. Exactly. So things won't go smoothly there. It's just a huge mess. So for now, Fitz is going to try to offer what assurances he can because Mm -hmm. he knows this is going to happen without actually saying what's going to happen. Right. For what it is worth, I as a man am with you. I said the words carefully, wondering if I spoke treason. To King Shrewd I am pledged. To Queen Ketrakin and the heir she carries I am loyal. I foresee dark days ahead of us, and the coastal duchies must act as one against the raiders. We have no time to worry what Prince Regal does inland. Let him go to Tradeford. Our lives are here, and here we must stand and fight. This is the most royal Fitz has ever really seemed to me. Yeah. He... You think so, too? Yeah, he does. But he is making decisions for the good of the kingdom on his own. He is talking confidently He's thinking about how his actions could affect the ripples that could happen before he speaks, which is very impressive because he very rarely does this. (laughs) (laughs) And he is trying to keep people together. He would be a good ruler. I think this is a glimpse of how he would be if he were ever given the opportunity to actually go through with what they start to plan. And it's very interesting to almost see him grow into this more regal (laughs) personage in a way. Not regal the person, but, you know, the word, (laughs) the characteristic. Um, And I just really enjoy seeing what we lose, I guess. We all know what's coming. He is about to go through some severe trauma. And I don't think we ever really see this version of Fitz this confidently again. And it's really sad because clearly he could have been great. Not that he doesn't do great things and he isn't a great person still, but I think this is what we lose. And knowing how close we are to losing it, I think it makes it even more interesting to see. Yeah. It says, felt a sea of change in me with my own words. Like the shedding of a cloak or an insect crawling from its cocoon, I felt myself emerge. It's true. Regal's abandoning him there, but Fitz is going to be there. Let him go. With the king and the queen safely stashed in the mountains, I would no longer fear Regal. Molly was gone, lost to me. What had Beric said a long time ago? 
that I might not see her, but perhaps she might see me. Let her see, then, that I could act, that one man's standing could make a difference. Could I make Buck keep my own? Hold it until Verity returned? Who would follow me? Birk would be gone. I could not count on using his influence. But those swelling inland soldiers would be gone as well. What would be left would be Buckkeep warriors and a vested interest in keeping this cold rock of a castle from falling. He's thinking of all these plans. Like you said, he, he is truly coming into his own here and thinking of the future and being like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. He's gaining confidence in himself. Yeah. Which is great to see. I love it. I I love that he has this moment of... You know, I'm not perfect, but I'll have Chade and we can do it. Yeah. I can do it. He says, I am no king. I am no prince. I am but a bastard, but one who loves Buck. I want no bloodshed with Regal, no confrontation. We have no time to waste, and I have no heart for the killing of six duchies folk. Let Regal flee inland. When he and the dogs that sniff after him are gone, I am yours, and as much of Buck as I can rally to follow me. The words were spoken, the commitment made. Treason, traitor, whispered a small voice inside me, but in my heart I knew the rightness of what I did. Chade might not see it my way, but I felt in that moment that the only way to declare myself for shrewd and verity and Ketrickin's child was to declare myself with those who would not follow Regal. Yet I wanted to be sure that I understood that, that they understood that loyalty clearly. I looked deep into Brondi's weary eyes. This is my goal, Duke Brondi of Burns. I speak it plainly, and I will back no other. I will see a united six duchies, with her coastline freed of raiders, place a crown upon the head of Ketrickin's and Verity's child. I must hear you say that you share that goal. I swear that I do, Fitzchivalry, son of chivalry. To my horror, the war-scarred old man took my hands in his and placed them on his forehead in the ancient sign of one who gives fealty. It was all I could do not to snatch them away. Loyalty to Verity, I told myself. This is how I have become this, and I must see that this is how I go on. Let the whelp run inland with his tail between his legs. Here is where the wolves shall stand and fight. My skull prickled at his choice of words. Is Brondi... Is Duke Brondi witted? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think he is. But they live in the most remote duchy, I think. Right. And so they probably have more experience with those communities, Mm, I would guess. I was just wondering... I guess I don't know if this was like a subtle, like, we know that you are the Wolf King or something. <laughs> no, it, this is very intense. This is, you know, treason. <laughs> it is. Even though there is good intention and yeah. the idea is staving off Regal from destroying the kingdom that Verity's child is to inherit. But it's going against the succession line. Yeah, it is. And so Brondi finishes up and says, well, you know, we'll stand for the king in waiting, but he's not going to be our king. Basically, 
we'll make sure everything goes to plan and, and he'll leave. And then you and I will discuss. We'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about what's happening. Right. Regal is supposed to leave the day after his ceremony, uh, which is very against tradition. Typically, the new king in waiting is supposed to take a few days to hear out all of the complaints, basically, from the dukes of his lands. But Regal is not going to be doing that. So under that guise, the outer duchy dukes are going to stay to make sure that Fitz has control of Bucky, of Bucky before, they, before leave. they leave. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's kind of excited now. He's like, well, we'll have everything prepared. We'll get the the boats that were being built launched. You and I will will make sure we clear these raiders from our shores. Right. He's getting hope again mm-hmm. in that situation and something that he hasn't had for a while. Says it will be a hard winter for us all, but lean wolves fight fiercest, or so they say. And we are lean, my brother. Oh, we are lean. From Night Eyes. Yes. Which I would like to point out, because Fitz is not trained in old blood ways, that means that Serenity can hear Night Eyes. Uh, you mean Faith? Is that her name? There's, yes, it is Faith. Celerity is the other sister. There's Celerity, yes. there's Serene, and there's Faith. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, Faith is there, and she has the wit, so she would be able to hear this from Night Possibly. That's... Possibly. See, I have... It's confirmed that Black Rolf has the skill and the wit. Okay. Fitz talks about it later, that there's one he's pretty much positive that has both of them it's black rolf but there's like no way you can train them together they Mm -hmm. talk about that later in in some series and i think that's why he can hear night eyes and fits so much is because he uses both unconsciously like subconsciously together Mm. and i don't think that distance could be overheard by other witted ones that easily. Interesting, because I thought Black Rolf's whole thing is that they basically shout at each other. And yeah. that other witted people can also hear them. Probably, but also probably only if they're, like, right by each other, I would guess. And remember, Night Eyes at this moment is super tight in his focus when talking to Fitz because of Viric. True. And his presence and saying, like, don't do this in my presence. It disgusts Fair enough. me. Fair enough. So maybe she couldn't. Yeah, but I really think Black Rolf was being very overly aggressive with his criticisms because he was so sensitive to hearing. I hearing their but then wouldn't he hear everybody else, too? Maybe. But I feel like because of the similarities and how they use their magics, he would have more of an overlap and be able to more clearly mm-hmm. hear them. Interesting thought. I don't know. Again, we don't really know how the magic works fully, but that's also something that's in the future. A terrible foreboding rose in me. I wondered what I had done. I would have to find a way to speak to Ketrakin before she departed to somehow assure her I had not turned on her. Yeah, because, you know, she'll appear in the mountains and all of a sudden hear that Fitz has risen up and has the allies of the Dukes and is right. gathering people and uh-huh. fighting. And Although... I, I don't think, think she would. No, know, I think he should have more trust in his fight. friends that they know him pretty well. But he doesn't. It's Fitz. True. <laughs> And then now he's wondering about King Shrewd. Like, at one point, he remembers King Shrewd asking him, if somebody comes to you giving you money or offering you something, come to me, 
and I'll offer you more to stay on my side. Basically. So he's like, is what I just did actually a good thing? This is what I was talking about before. He he feels great for himself for coming to a conclusion and being like, I'm coming into my own. I'm doing something great. This is this will work out well. And then in the back of his mind is like, I'm I'm a traitor. I literally just betrayed everything that all of my friends and family have right. said not to do. Right. Did I do something wrong now? It, it's always coming from a place of, or at least backed by a place of, I am what made this go poorly. Yeah, true, true. And he does wonder, would Shrewd have given him Buckkeep to keep him on his side? Probably right. not. Probably not. Brondi tries to assure Fitz, because Fitz is silent after this, that your fears, you shouldn't, don't have your fears, do not doubt the rightness of what we're doing. We're trying to keep the six duchies intact. And then he goes through some omens that he's seen, which I wanted to read through here. Yeah. We must stand on our own. All the omens' importance point us that way. They say the pocked man was seen drinking blood from a buckheap well and that a serpent coiled on the main hearth in the great hall and dared to strike at a child. I myself, riding south of here, witnessed a young eagle bedeviled by crows. But just as I thought she must plunge into the sea to avoid them, she turned and in midair seized a crow that had sought to dive on her from above. She clenched him and dropped him bloody to the water, and all the other crows fled squawking and flapping. These are signs, fit chivalry. We'd be fools to ignore them. There's that escalation of different omens that are happening. First, it's just the Pac-Man scene near the well. Then the Pac-Man scene drinking water, but the water, after he put down the bucket, was red like blood. Mm-hmm. And now it's the Pac-Man actually drinking blood in Buckheap. Then it was the snake that was just like... Wasn't it in the kitchen hearthstones? Something like that, yeah. And now it's uh, in the great hall hearthstones that struck a child. Uh-huh. And there's just that escalation of rumors being passed around, word of mouth, right. exaggeration. Right. But then there's also the final story of the eagle and the crows, Yeah. which Brondi says he saw himself. And I was just wondering, is this just a wild thing that happened to happen right now? Or did... Chained somehow. No, I think that's actually like a wild thing. I would guess like a wild omen. And since they're more remote, we don't hear about it too much. But I mean, they're talking about omens importance quite a bit. So there must be at least a superstitious culture or a religious culture surrounding those different omens. Right. I don't know. It just seems very odd that like some of these are clearly Chade, but then also Brondi's like, and I saw this really cool thing where (laughs) a bunch of ravens were attacking an eagle. And that part was really weird to me because there's no way Chade had a hand in that. Yeah, no. And also, this isn't just a rumor Duke Brondi heard. He saw this himself. Right. So I almost wonder if he's just making that up to like also be like see regal shouldn't be king (laughs) you know what i mean if he's like hopping on this trend or i don't think he'd make that up honestly i actually think that would happen yeah but i think the young hawk might have been one of his daughters oh that's how it was able to like maybe and he just doesn't know about interesting just good timing yeah i guess 
It could be one of his like daughters or, you know, could have just been a random hawk or something. And, yeah. But it, it's I don't think it's a coincidence that a hawk or a young eagle, I guess, a predator, a raptor, I guess, a bird of prey was around Brondi and his daughters while they were riding. Right. And something happened that was slightly unusual. <laughs> Fair enough. Solarity comes in then, and Brondi says, Daughter, you have chosen well. I wondered once what you saw in a scriber. Perhaps now I see it as well. She stood by her father, looking boldly at me. For the first time, I glimpsed the steel will that hid inside the shy child. It was unnerving. I bade you wait, and you have, Duke Brondi said to me. You have shown yourself a man of honor in this. I have given you my loyalty this day. Will you take my daughter's pledge to be your wife as well? What a precipice, I teetered on. I met Solarity's eyes. She had no doubts. If I had never known Molly, I would have found her beautiful. But when I looked at her, all I could see was who she was not. I had no heart left to give to any woman, let alone at a time like this. I turned my eyes back to her father, determined to speak firmly. And he says that... It's a lot of honor that you trust me in this. Mm -hmm. But this is extremely dangerous times. And I'm leading something and I'm, I don't wish to take any promises from anyone else. This, mm -hmm. this is too important. This is too important. Six duchies is my first goal. It's my first responsibility. And I'm not going to have you bound to me and look like I took your daughter as assurance. Right. I don't want this to look bad, like I'm forcing you to fealty with, through your daughter. But also, it's much safer to be the daughter of Duke Brondi than it is to be... The wife of Fitzchivalry. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it is a very good excuse. And Brondi takes it. He, and properly spoken. Yeah. It is a, it's not, oh, I hate your daughter. <laughs> I'll never love her. We're not getting married. It's... Actually, there are a lot of complications right now, and probably it isn't the best time for a marriage, which is also a super valid point on its own. Yeah. Why would you want to get married to somebody in the middle of this dangerous talk? Yeah. And and he's, at this point, came into his own acceptance of who he is, what he's going to do, and that Molly is gone. Right. He has felt that weight shed from him, and he says here, until I can say I am more than that, an illegitimate son of a prince. I will seek no wife nor court any woman. So he knows, like, he's not even going to go after Molly here. Right. This is He knows she's gone. Mm -hmm. So he is going to stay here, pull everything together. Once everything's safe, he'll be like, my job's done. I can yeah. finally go after Molly now. Right. Celerity was clearly displeased, but her father nodded slowly to my words. I see the wisdom of your words. My daughter, I fear, sees only the delay. He looked at Solarity's pout, smiled fondly. Someday she will understand that the people who seek to protect her are the people who care for her. I, I found that an interesting sentence because Fitz never understands that really. Right. He kind of does, I guess, but he never believes it for himself. Right. I believe, he said quietly, that Buck will stand and that Verity's child shall inherit the throne. 
I left him with those words echoing in my mind. Again and again, I told myself I had done nothing wrong. If I had not reached forth to claim Buckkeep, another would have. Who? Jay demanded angrily some hours later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, but they would have found someone. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Oh. It's the end of a very interesting choice. And I think as Fitz so aptly put, is what makes him the catalyst, that he makes these choices, and there's no telling what he's going to do next. Right, yeah, or how those choices will affect the future. Right, and somehow, every time, it puts it closer to the right path. And I think that's shown in how he artfully did not make this a power grab. He made this a protection move yeah protecting the kingdom for the rightful heir because he could have clearly in this moment he could have said okay i want to be king i want to be king i don't i don't care about ketrickin or her child or verity or he could have said those things to appease the duke and then maneuvered later to just claim it for himself but But always outwardly to brandy and in his head he's like Mm -hmm. this is just me protecting the kingdom and putting it together for their return. Yeah. The intent is there. So he is summoned to Chade's room. He put those specific herbs on his hearth and he needed to explain what had happened right now to Mm -hmm. Chade and talk through with him because he knows this was a huge decision and will affect the future and Chade needs to know. Right. So Chade obviously is pretty mad, (laughs) but... He goes through it with Fitz and basically says the only way you could avoid it is to turn the conversation before it got to this point. Otherwise, whatever. If the coastal dukes are as close to rebellion as your report indicates, then perhaps we should reconsider that plan. And Fitz is trying to appease Chade here, say, like, Bronny didn't come to me speaking of rebellion, but of loyalty to the true and rightful king. So I don't think it's actually treason. It skirts a line, and Chade agrees, like, yeah, this is, like, really close to that line. But, again, like we were talking, that intent is good. Right. But it's also pointed out to Fitz, what happens if Shrewd and Ketcher can die? Then what? Right. Now you've put yourself in this position, and Regal is the rightful heir to the throne, not you. So if they die, if they, for whatever reason, do not make it, through this plan then what because you have to step down and Fitz is floored by this mm-hmm Jade says you know I've seen more foolish princes than he become wise as they aged what you contemplate will bring a civil war Pharaoh and Tilth Jade is trying to you know see all sides of it and, and right. he does he sees it correctly if they do die, Regal is the only farseer heir then left. Yes, he's the only true heir that has been claimed. Fitz is technically an heir, but he was never claimed by his father. Right. So he's not a true heir. So he's going to, what, lead the coastal duchies, and then Regal will have the inner duchies, and then there's that civil war. Yeah, and he does make the point that it doesn't matter how incompetent he seems. He's still royalty, and you pledged yourself to the Farseer line, not just Verity and Shrewd. 
And Fitz tries to say, like, oh, the Pharaoh and Tilth won't go to war. They have no interest in it. They will say good riddance to us and let the coastal duchies go. Regal has always said as much. And here, Chade points out exactly what we've been saying, and specifically, I know you've pointed out a few times, Emma. Mm-hmm. And he probably thinks he believes it, but when he finds out that he cannot buy fine silk, and that the wines of Bingtown and beyond no longer flow up the Buck River to his palate, he will think better. He needs his port cities, and he will come back for them. That's part of the plan that I know you've had trouble with. Like, yes. He's so stupid for letting his ports go, because the trade is all there, and he doesn't see that, because he's blinded by his hatred and his view that they're inferior. Right. He doesn't understand that the only reason why he the inland duchies are able to have the nice things that they do is because of Buck and the port cities. Right. Without that, there is no inland wealth. There just isn't. At least not as much, and it's not as comfortable. No, they still not as do, beautiful. Yeah, they still do grow all of the food and things like that mm-hmm. for the outer duchies, but those exotic goods, those fine luxury items that are imported in, will not be there anymore. Right. You have to make do with your, like, grain alcohol and not your wine <laughs> from Jamalia or whatever yeah, it comes from. Or the from. apricot whiskey. <laughs> yeah, the apricot brandy, yeah. Yeah. No, it's... Well, that's from that's from Sands Edge, isn't it? That's the oh, uh, I guess that's... that's inland as well. Okay, so they can have actually they have some good liquor. I All guess. right, fine, I'll give it to them. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's still this is what I have hated about Regal's short sightedness, and maybe that's just a farseer trait is the short sightedness. But <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> the farseers are a little short sighted. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> But, you know, it's just really frustrating that for as somewhat smart as Regal seems to be, he really doesn't see, think anything through long term. Yeah, because he's, bl- he's blinded by what he really, really wants, not the long term of once I get that, what happens next. Right. Or the how. I think part of this probably stems from Regal never having to do anything for real. True. He doesn't have any real responsibility if you think about it. I mean, sure, he's in task, been tasked with raising funds, but he's never actually been trained on how to rule a kingdom. He didn't take the classes that Chivalry and Verity had to take, which Verity didn't even take the, the stuff that Ch- I, Chivalry did. I thought Regal was trained when he was a child, and he did have lessons and things like that. In Shrew diplomacy? Yeah, and Shrew did take a interest. They didn't have the he didn't have the specific on field like in field training where they were sent out, but I think they had tutors and things like that. And Shrewd took him under his wing. I suppose I don't know. I just think if he had any real training or any practical knowledge of what it takes to be a real leader, he wouldn't act the way he does. Or fight the way that he does. See, I think he, I think he has that knowledge, but not the practical use of it because he never had to go out in the kingdom. He thinks, just like how Fitz is a better person because he got sent around the common folk and got to know people. Sure, Chivalry and Verity also had that. They lived with sh- soldiers. They saw mm-hmm. people in different uh, duchies. Regal stayed in the kingdom the whole time, and Buck basically, and went to Tradeford in the summers. He had his summer home. (laughs) So he was pampered the whole time, never actually had to do that work. He probably has the practical knowledge, 
because he was told like, oh, you have to be, you know, this and this and this, but also from his mother and probably witnessing shrewd, you can just manipulate those people to do what you want anyways. He doesn't understand the reasoning behind those manipulations. Fair enough. So he's just a stupid boy with the tools to get what he wants. I guess. Yeah. It just is frustrating Especially because he does have a gift. Yeah, he as does. As horrible as a person as he is, he does have a very good gift at being a people person and spinning things in a and way that works. We see that at the end of this trilogy for a brief epilogue where uh, when when Fitz turns Regal's mind yeah. against, well, to be loyal to the kingdom, the rightful king uh-huh. and queen... He is super helpful in joining the kingdom back together. Yeah, he he is wonderful. And if he would have not had the mother that he had, he could have been an incredible token in ending this war. And he could have been a much better liked king. He could have been very successful. He probably could have taken over. Verity would have let him if he just wouldn't have been a horrible person. He could have had whatever he wanted. And it's really sad to think that that was taken from him quite literally because of the horrible person he has become (laughs) and shade sees that he he's like he is kind of stupid right now but eventually he knows he will want these back right he will want his port cities he wants some control he will want to maintain that control he has to grow up eventually he's almost 30 but hey well he's not even not even just growing up he's just gonna realize I can't get my favorite wines anymore. I need my old cities back. <laughs> right. They're part of my kingdom. How dare they split off from me? They're traitors. <laughs> so, you know that was what would have happened. For sure, for sure. And so, Chade goes into it. After Fitz is like, okay, so what, what was I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do now? And he's like, I don't know. Obviously, Brondi's desperate. If you had lawfully refused him and rebuked him with treason, well, I don't say he'd have done away with you, but remember he had no hesitation about dealing quickly with Virago when she represented a threat to him. This is all too much for one old assassin. We need a king. Aye. Could you skill again to Verity? And Fitz goes into... I'll try, but I fear to try, because what if Serene or Justin hears me? And then another thought comes to him and says, Chade, tomorrow night, when you lead Ketrikin to escape, find a moment or two to tell her of what has transpired and assure her of my loyalty. And Chade's like, oh, yeah, we'll be telling her, but we'll wait until she's at uh-huh. her destination and safe. We're not going to make her anxious on this. Yeah, trip we're not going to muddy can... anything here. <laughs> and he says, you have to continue to try to reach Verity, but beware of having of being spied upon. So you still try it. You have right. to. But then he asks, are our plans safe? Because you were spied on. So do they know? Yeah. And Fitz says, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I, well, he <laughs> says, I think, I believe they are safe. I no, I don't think I have been spied upon to, uh, right. To, <laughs> to clear that up. And, then Chade is like, man, you should have killed Justin. <laughs> and Fitz is like, what? And Chade's like, I know you were doing what I told you to do, but it would have been nice to get rid of him. <laughs> he laughs at Fitz's outraged look. 
It is pretty funny. It is. It Grumbles is. to himself, and oh, you should have just killed him. <laughs> and you know, and you know, Fitz is like, "Come on, you just told me not to act on my own." But I mean, maybe it just comes with age—the knowledge of when or when not to act. <laughs> That's why I'm just so mature. That's why I knew that he should have killed Justin. <laughs> <laughs> he goes into the dangers of what Brandy had brought to him. Because that would be enough for Regal to just hang him all, all of the Dukes. Even if he, like, stretched his bounds out a little bit, he could yeah. technically hang all of the Dukes then that were against him. It would just make it so much easier for Regal. So just everything needs to be silent. And then he kind of sets that aside and goes back to the planet hand and asks Fitz if everything's ready. And Fitz says, as much as, you know, as much as I could, Beric will be in place and waiting in the elder copse where the dog fox used to den. Shade rolled his eyes. How do I find that? Ask a passing dog fox? I smiled inadvertently. Close. Where will you emerge from Buck Capsule? He was stubbornly silent for a moment. Still, that old fox hated to reveal his back door. Finally, he said, We will come out of the grain shed, the one third back from the stables. I nodded slowly. A gray wolf will meet you. Follow him silently, and he will show you a way out of the walls of Buck that does not take you through the gates. For a long moment, Chade just looked at me. I waited. For condemnation, for a look of disgust, even for curiosity. But the old assassin had studied too long how to mask his feelings. He said at last, we are fools if we do not use every weapon that comes to hand. Is he any danger to us? No more than I am. You need not wear wolf's bane nor offer him mutton to be allowed to pass. I was as familiar with the old folklore as Chade was. Simply show yourself and he will appear to guide you. He will take you through the walls and out to the copse where Beric waits with the horses. And... They go into some details that it's not a long walk, but it's going to be difficult for the king because it's very deep snow. and Right. And he's old and ill. Yeah. <laughs> I could ask Veer to meet you closer, but that will draw more attention. Perhaps the fool could help you manage. And Shade's like, well, he'll have to from the sound of things. I'm not willing to bring any others. He says, the fool is assisting me with all these tasks, and he's a spirited away, both clothing and coin. And Shrewd has even reluctantly agreed to the plan. He knows it is wise, but every part of it chafes him. Despite all fits, Regal is his son, his favored youngest. Even having felt Regal's ruthlessness, it is still hard for him to say the prince threatens his life. You see how he is bound. To admit that Regal would turn on him is to admit that he was wrong about his son. To flee Buckkeep is even worse, for that is admitting not only that Regal would turn on him, but that flight is his only option. Our king has never been a coward. It calls him now to run from one who should be most loyal of all to him. And yet he must. Of that I have convinced him, mostly. Mostly, I'll admit, by saying that without his acknowledgement, Ketrickin's child will have a poor claim on the throne. Shade sighed. All is as ready as I can make it. I have prepared the medicines, and all is well packed. And he says that the fool intends to follow. He knows he can't go right now, mm -hmm. but he intends to follow a few days behind. 
he could not be dissuaded entirely, and the best that Chade could do was to make him agree to travel separately. Right. To keep attention off. Don't want too many people. And then it depends on Fitz to find a way to empty the king's room of witnesses and for you to spirit him all away. Ah, yes, Chade observed mirthlessly. All is well planned and ready to carry out, save for the actual deed. We stared together into the fire. The plan's set. Yeah. The plan's ready. We're on the precipice. Fitz revealed his secret to Chade. And Chade wasn't that surprised because we kind of knew that he was suspecting Mm -hmm. something. But for Fitz to say it out loud, I think, did surprise Chade a bit. And to have that confirmed of, yeah, I am witted. I have a wolf. (laughs) He'll meet you. You don't need any superstitious stuff. Just follow him. He'll know who you are. Which also would be a weird feeling of like, I wonder if this person could talk to animals. And then all of a sudden, hey, my pet wolf, who knows what you look like and who you are, is going to lead you on a secret path. Yeah, directly to where you need to go. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) Did you draw a picture of me or? Oh, no, no, we share minds. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited for the next chapters. Definitely. Also, I just want to point out, it's very odd to me that... Chade never really asks about the wit. He'd, yeah, like the the inner workings of it and things like that. He doesn't that. want to know anything about what Fitz goes through or how it works. That is a very odd thing to bring up, actually. That's true. He never really goes into it like, hey, catalog everything uh-huh. about this so we can have scrolls on it. Yeah, and he wants to know everything about everything. I'll have to keep an eye out in case there's like a throwaway line in the epilogue or in the Tawny Man that Fitz has been writing things about. Because I know he writes his Tom Badgerlock about the wit. Right. And I know sometimes he sends scrolls to Buckkeep, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any connection of like Chade wanting those yeah. particular ones or not. Which is weird to me because he's like super obsessed yeah. with like all of the magics and knowing. We'll have to, I'll have to keep an eye out to see right. if he does specifically say like. I have well, to send Chade these up these updated writings right. on the wit. Which also is weird because Chade is about to watch him share a body and brain with a wolf right. and come back to life after months of being dead. Yeah. So it's even weirder to me that Chade is like, no, nah, I don't need to know anything else. Like, <laughs> come on. I think it's because at the end of the trilogy, he never goes back to Buckkeep until Tawny Man. Right. So the only contact they have is, you know, probably very circumspect letters mm. written. And they agreed, Ketrickin and Chade agreed, even though it chafes at them to leave Fitz alone. Right. Because of everything that he has been through. So I think he didn't, even though he probably really wants to know and probably looked into it himself mm-hmm. about like, hey, what did Fitz go through and what is this? He probably didn't want to bother Fitz that much because they don't have any chance to talk about it. And I guess by the time they are talking regularly again, he is trying to learn how to skill. So that would definitely trump any curiosity he has about other magics. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm excited to read the ending of this book. This is probably what it's hard to say, but this book Royal Assassin might be my favorite of the first trilogy. Interesting. I'll have to, I guess we'll, we'll find out at the end <laughs> of the next one. 
I like Assassin's Apprentice quite a bit, but I don't think I would say it's my favorite. Okay. Out of the trilogy, I feel like this one has as very good flow of the plot. Fair enough. Some up and downs. It has a lot of intrigue, but also has a lot of action. So I think I like this one overall. But I'm excited to uh, get to the end of it and get into the third book. Yeah, exciting stuff. Thanks so much for listening this week. If you have anything to uh, talk about or any theories or any other things that you wanted us to touch on, please let us know. We can talk about any topics that you guys bring up. You can find us at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Message us directly through there or email us or message us on social media or at isfitshappy. That's our handle on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and that is our username on Reddit as well. So if you message us directly on any one of those, we can respond. might take a little bit, but we will get back to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. 